Well, welcome back to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Dr. Jeff Bucknam is the lead pastor of vision teaching at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicagoland. I'm your host, Tommy Kreitz, and we are going to have a conversation today because we believe that everyone has a story. But before we get into the wonderful conversation, we have about 10 minutes, maybe, where we like to talk about what we want to talk about, a little banter preamble, time. preamble. Um, banter time. Yeah, banter time. Yeah. Did you know that my uh, the soccer team that I support, which is Arsenal, Arsenal, has decided to do what Arsenal does every year, yeah. and that is late in the season decide to choke themselves to death. Wow, that's just like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's we were team. really good for a long time there, and then we've decided to lose to draw and lose games. So they're playing the someone title? today. Yes. Yes. Man City. We're losing. Um, <laughs> currently, currently, currently losing. losing. It doesn't okay. matter. It honestly doesn't matter because I you just expect. Well, this now. I knew it. Early on, I knew it. And I kept telling my friends who were saying, oh, you guys might win the title. I was like, oh, you better hope not because yeah. I will never, ever let that die. But we won't. And uh, all of the teams I support get close, but never. Never win. Yeah. One Sh- time they won. Seattle Seahawks. They 2013. did. They did. That's but even at halftime of that game, we were up 22 nothing, And I was like, yeah, there, we're not winning this game. So you just, you just lower, you just have the right expectation so that when, you know, I know full, I know full well, I'm (laughs) that we're not going to win the game. So when they do win, if they ever win, you will be thoroughly excited. Do you know it's, yeah. Yeah. Or just relieved that I didn't get my stomach (laughs) kicked again. (laughs) Seriously. It gets to the point where you're like, yeah, at least I don't have that pain. Yeah. Yeah. So if they lose to Man City. Yeah. They're probably going to lose. They're up. Well, out. They're going to be second place. They've been so good this season. And Manchester City is ridiculous. They spend more money and have more. They're the Yankees of the Well, they're actually like soccer world. If you know, anybody knows anything about soccer, the unfortunately, the English Premier League, because of Man City, has kind of become like the German Bundesliga, meaning that most teams can beat each other every you week. You just said some words there. Sorry, that there's I one team, Bayern mm-hmm. Munich, that beats the living daylights out of everybody. Yes. And occasionally there's a team like Borussia Dortmund who shows up and is like, hey, we want to try a challenge, and then they lose. So it's just... <laughs> so it Man gets, City gets, is that team Yeah, now. it gets old. Yeah. Leagues that have one team that win all the time... It's boring. Oh, it's ridiculous. Why? Can Unless you imagine if the Patriots won every <laughs> single year? Remember how people treated that, though? Yeah. They got so sick and tired of it. It's yeah. like, oh, we just want lose the already. Earth to swallow them up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we like a winner, yeah. but we don't like it if you win too much. No. Don't win a lot. No. Win occasionally. Win occasionally. Yeah. yeah. That's why the Cubs are so loved. <laughs> yeah. Because they never. They won once. They won very occasionally. Once every 100 years. Yeah. Hey, my team has, again, my, I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. That's, yeah. Which, again, yeah. Is exactly the case. You're just picking bad teams, I think, no, at this they, point. No, the teams right? pick me. They, yeah, they speak to you. <laughs> it's terrible. It's like, <laughs> honestly, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Every year. Oh. Anyway, what did you want to talk about? You didn't Man. want to talk about my stinking. No, team. I I like that you can get your frustrations out on the podcast, no. Jeff. This is a hopefully this was therapeutic for you. Well, you know it's funny. People try to taunt me sometimes when my team falls apart. Yeah. I'm like, why are you talking to me, dude? I was the one who knew this was going to happen before you did. Yeah. Well, you think you got something I, on me? Yeah, you I realize that how. you can say something to me that I haven't said to myself. Right? What already? are you talking about? Yeah, your team sucks. I know. Yeah, I know that. Why are you telling that? No to me? one can roast me better than me. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did want to talk about something. One thing in particular. All right. Um, it's this thing called juice jacking. Have you heard about this? 
Now you you mumbled something I before did. we began about uh, about what about, I wanted to talk to you hacking. about. Yeah, it's something about electronic hacking, and you it being Mister Star Trek over here is gonna you're gonna help me out. First off, offensive. It's Star Wars, Mister Star Wars. Same thing. Uh, second, juice jacking is this. You know how sometimes when the FBI they um, they tend to put out like warnings and things like that to make you afraid of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so one of their recent ones was this thing called, and they they actually went along with the term called juice jacking. And it this, it's this idea of, you know, those um, free places in the airports and malls and various other public locations where you can go and charge your phone. Yeah. You just go up to it, put your phone in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it charges it for free. Right. Or you pay a small fee and you get to charge it for however many hours so that yeah. your phone doesn't die. People have been using those. Uh, they've been putting up fake versions of those. Right. That still charge. But as soon as you plug it in, um, it, it, it hacks yeah. your phone. It, and it can it? install, uh, you know, uh, key logging software onto your phone. It can do a whole mess of different things. Um, mostly to get your data, to get your information, to get your passwords, to get all of your stuff, Right. And uh, so that is like a huge thing and so big that they had to make a public service announcement about it to be careful of, hey, don't like plug random cords <laughs> Do you into ever your remember? phone or else it could get hacked by, by malicious So actors. years ago, there was a movie called Enemy of the State. I do. Do you remember this, Will Smith? Yep. I... I got to tell you, the longer I live, I want the more I want to be like the dude who lives in a like tinfoil house. Yeah, just a Faraday cage. Like nothing <laughs> is touching anything outside of here. There's yeah. no way for anyone to no signals. I know. Yeah, that's exactly that's off exactly the grid, right. as they say. I know. Have you ever seen like people who live off the grid? So in New Zealand, where I lived, there that was the place where I lived in New Zealand was a place that a lot of Americans came down to like live off the land. Wow. And be completely separate from the world. There was one family I remember from San Francisco that we met. Because nobody else was an American around us. And so when we met somebody or saw somebody who was an American in the store or whatever, we'd end up talking to them. And this one family, we got together with them on one occasion. Uh, yeah, they were crazy. Yeah. Like they were, I mean, he was right. They have a doomsday in, bunker? Oh, they had, ever, they, listen, they had everything. They No, uh, they no offense own, to doomsday. I know you said crazy. And then I said, do they have a doomsday bunker? No, if they, you have one, don't be mad at no, me. They Just mud, invite me when it happens. Mud brick house. And uh, they had a, they were completely off the grid yeah. for everything, completely wow. self-sufficient. And the guy was like, I don't, the only thing I do is I drive a car into, into the town from time to time and we get some, we get some stuff and that's it. <laughs> that's it. And wow. we drive an old, I mean, his car was old, so it didn't have any computer stuff uh -huh. in it. It was just this old car. And I was like, wow. He said, yeah. But here's the crazy part about it. Uh, this guy used to work for the United States Department of Defense. Okay. Yeah. So he knows. Well, that's what threw he me knows. off a little bit. Yeah, I was like, he knows. okay, yeah, he there knows. are some dots here that might need to be connected. He knows. Department of Defense guy living in New Zealand. Off the, off the grid. There's probably something going There's on. There's probably some surveillance. Oh, yeah, like him, you mean. Yeah. Like some, oh, okay. I was just going to There are these little places probably. in New Zealand, too. Uh, one in Christchurch, actually, that uh, if you try to approach it, it's like a, it's it's a kind of a hill. Uh -huh. If you try to approach it, you like you'll get arrested. Yeah, like Area Fifty One. And so there's this, but there's nothing up there. <laughs> no, but there's nothing up there. There's not like nothing. like it's a well. There's fences. Okay. 
So the question a lot of Kiwis are like aliens. What's there? And yeah. uh, actually, most people think it's a U.S. missile silo. Oh, that the United States actually has uh, ICBMs or whatever they are uh, in that, a mountain. Yeah, that can be shot from New Zealand. Holy moly! That they made a deal in the eighties to put stuff there and yeah. To, like, to put missiles and film Lord well, of the Rings. Yeah, and but they, maybe they think it's that way because apparently there's a number of Americans who are in that area who are working. Who used to work. I'm using air quotes things. at the Department of Defense. Yeah. Wow. It's a conspiracy. I love it. Somehow we always find our way back there. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, be careful where you put your phone uh, and what you plug into your phone. Because uh, apparently the hackers are out to get you. And, and where you will. walk, if you walk on hills and stuff, yeah. you might be walking on a missile silo. Yeah, typically good rule of thumb is if there's a fence, don't go over it. Yeah. I'm, but, uh, typical rule, not always, but yeah, usually more likely than not. Yeah. So, the, you know, you just this is why you tune in. We understand to learn things. The more you know. The more. <laughs> da, na, na. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have a conversation. Uh, that we're going to get to right now, unless you had anything else. No, that was that's just, it. I'm excited to talk right. to Julie. Yes, and you guys are going to have a conversation. She is the lead of our Human, Resource. Human Resources Department, and um, we are excited to hear her story because everyone has one, and you guys are going to get into it right now. Let's go. sitting here with Julie Unte. Julie, I got to tell you, your last name is a little bit hard to say. It's U-N-T-I-E-D-T. Correct. Where does that come from? Um, that is actually German. Oh. Is that, are you German? Or is I that your? I am not. Okay. I am not. All right. So, uh, Julie, what do you do at Harvest? I am in human resources. Have you always been involved in human resources? I have for a majority part of my career. So, I'm going to say it about 25 plus years. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. It is a long time. So in a, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you some of the weirdest human resources stories you've ever had because cause I want to know. <laughs> Before that, though, uh, you are from Chicago? I am. Because you have a little Chicago accent. That's what people tell Chicago. me. Chicago. Yeah, no, I hear it. Yeah. I hear it. We're in Chicago. So when I say Chicago, people in Chicago sometimes think like downtown in Chicago, they're like, if you live in Des Plaines, you're not from Chicago. You're from Des Plaines. But people in Des Plaines are like, nah, I'm from Chicago. Because it- nobody knows the little towns we're from. Yeah. So people know where Chicago is. And so you say Chicago. Okay. So no, I did not live in Chicago. But um, I grew up in McHenry until I was yeah. about nine years old. And then we moved to Wheeling. Yeah. So kind of a northwesterny yeah, type yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm in Oswego. <laughs> so, where's that? It is about 20 minutes south of the Aurora campus. That's like forever away from where it's we're far. sitting right now. I know it is. We're at the Rolling Meadows campus <laughs> right now, and that was it's like far. an hour. Something? Yes. Yeah. On a good day, it's an hour. In traffic, it yeah, it can be worse. Holy smokes! Yeah. So, uh, family. Kids, yeah. Like, so, I mean, when you were a kid, brothers, sisters. So that's uh that's an interesting question. So, um, 
So I grew up as an only child. Okay. But I have a brother and two sisters. This is like one of those things that they ask you, you know, there's a pile of sawdust (laughs) on the floor and (laughs) a guy's dead and you have to tell us why. Yep. Okay. So to explain to me how that works. So that it's really, it's interesting. So I grew up as an only child, um, just me, my mom and dad. Um, and you know, just kind of what I did all through up until like 27 years. Um, I was 26. I had gotten a phone call from my mom. Um, and that's, so I guess let me back up a little bit. So I'm adopted. Okay. So I'll just start it off that way. And I've always known. How old were you? I was 10 days old. Okay. When I was adopted. So I always knew that I was adopted. So that was never new news to me. I just always knew that. But when I was 26, uh, my mom called and said, well, you know, Julie, I need to talk to you. And I was in the middle of cleaning. So I'm like, okay, you know, who died? Right. Cause I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, you could hear the serious tone in her voice. She's like, well, I want to let you know that your birth mother is looking for you. And we got a phone call from the Catholic Charities. And so here's the number if, you know, if you want to kind of go find this out. And so, um, so that was kind of strange. I was going to say, is that, that's the kind of information you sit on for a little bit. Yes. Were yes. you, uh, like, were you, did you consider not doing it? Or I, I have no idea if you it's did just, or didn't. It's so bizarre. So, um, it's, it's just, it's, again, it's just such a, a crazy story when you think about it. Um, so like I said, I've always known that I was adopted. So, you know, knew that somebody was out there, always figured that I had, you know, a mom and wondered if I ever had like half brothers or half sisters. And you think about it, quite honestly, every time, every time it's your birthday, yeah. you know, does your mom, your birth mom remember, mm. you know, type thing. So, um, so getting this phone call was like literally out of the blue because I had been cleaning, you know, the apartment at that point in time. Um, I was married and had two kids and, and so I just kind of wrote down all the different numbers and I was like, okay, okay, great. Thanks. You know, and, and we kind of ended the conversation and I really didn't know what to do. Went back to cleaning the bathroom, right. As you're kind of processing everything that had right. happened. And, uh, uh, my husband had come home and we had, you know, kind of talked a little bit about it. I thought, well, you know, um, I may call this person and kind of see what's what. And so I did, and uh, like right away. Yeah, I think yeah, like the next day type thing, because mm. you just you wonder because I oh yeah, it'd be on your heart the whole time, right? Is you know I don't know what my background is, right? So right, I have no clue. Um, it's I'm, also I mean it's helpful too, right. medically and all that right. kind of thing. Yeah, right. Would have been helpful, you know, when I was pregnant because yeah. they would always ask me, well, you know, what's in your background? I'm like, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. What's in your history? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, so I called and they said that, you know, your birth mother's looking for you and we can do a couple of different things. You know, we can um, give you her phone number, you know, we can give hers yours or we can give you addresses, you know, and I was, that was just very overwhelming. Yeah. Right. right I'm 26. Um, yeah. Not ready for that. Um, so she had suggested we could do something um, different where um, I can accept a letter. So what my birth mom would do would write a letter and put it into two envelopes, and one is addressed to the Catholic Charities, and then it goes to the Catholic Charities with, like, my information on it, or I, she wouldn't even know my information, the caseworker, and then they would address the other envelope directly to me. Yeah. So still kind of keeping everything, um, yeah, yeah, and a little confidential, because I'm like, I did not want all of a sudden to open up my door one day and have somebody standing there that, that would, right. would you, not have been okay. Right, you're not quite sure what the circumstances right. were around it. And right. So what did you learn? So I I got a letter in the mail 
probably, I don't know, within a couple of weeks, and it was about an inch thick, right? So, oh like, fold right. Um, I get the, and I left it on the counter for probably almost two weeks. Wow. Before I opened it, um, I, I didn't know. I just didn't know what it was going to say. Um, I, obviously, it was going to a lot to say because it was pretty thick. So, um, I opened it, and the first thing it said was, My dearest daughter, Mary Frances. I closed it back up, put it back on the counter. <laughs> That's enough for today. <laughs> yeah, for like the next uh, about 10 days or so. Because, uh, yeah, wasn't ready for that um, type thing until I... They didn't keep your name Mary Francis. <laughs> no, no, no. My parents I changed it. Yeah. Which was, um, yeah, but that was just really overwhelming. I was, you know, put yeah. that back. Um, said, yeah, we'll look at that in a different day when I'm ready for that to unpack that. Um, yeah, and so... I eventually opened the letter. I still have the letter um, mm. to this day. And it was really uh, a very factual letter, you know. Um, you just kind of, you know, kind of saying how old she was, um, yeah. you know, when she put me up for adoption. And, you know, I've always been on her heart. And here's some factual information about your father, mm -hmm. biological father. Here's some factual information about me. Here's your background, right? So yeah. my birth mother, 100% Polish, okay. born in a deportation camp. Wow. Um, my father, 100% Mexican, uh, right? So right, as I'm looking at all of this, right, just very overwhelming and just trying to process this because you don't know anything about it. Come to find out that she actually married my biological father, had more children, Oh, so you, now you so have, I do have yeah, a full-blooded yeah. brother and two sisters. Right. Right. So, you know, like bone marrow transplantable yeah. type thing. So I was figured I'd have half somewhere. Right, because she'd maybe marry somebody else right, or something exactly. like that. But no. Right. Um, was, she, was she just quite young? She was. Okay. She was. And this is, you know, back in the 1960s. Yeah. Um, I won't give you the number, but yeah. <laughs> the 1960s. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, they... Her folks, you know, had her, had the baby. And, you know, I mean, this is like, you know, as I've learned more, I mean, it was basically she um, was like in the attic when somebody would come by so nobody would see her pregnant. Wow. And, you know, when she, you know, went to have the baby, me, uh, there was not an option. Yeah. You know, you're giving the baby up for adoption. Wow. Type thing. So, yeah. So, uh what interesting, so have you met her now? I have, okay. I have. Yeah. Well, I, how did that happen? So, um, you know, we, so we progressed back and forth from letters, you know. Um, eventually, she yeah, wrote directly? Yeah, eventually we did that. Um, and I don't think we did anything on the phone. Um, I think that, you know, we agreed to meet and I was going to drive out there um, to meet her, right? And so... I was going to go by myself, right? This is kind of like my journey as I, you know, and I, um, my brother and my two sisters still lived with her mm -hmm. and I did not want them home. That was a little bit overwhelming yeah. to go ahead and do that. Um, but meanwhile, I had actually talked with my parents about this too, yeah, to let them know what was going on, um, with everything, you know? And so did they process it? Okay. My dad did. Yeah. My dad, you know, he was <laughs> He was so funny. He's so excited. He's like, yeah. holy cow, look at that, right? Had no idea. Look at that. You're half, you know, half Hispanic and you're half yeah. Polish. And yeah. um, my adopted mom had some difficulty with that. Yeah. Um, and I read them the letters, you know, so they could, you know, kind of understand that. And, and it, was, it was just hard to kind of process. Yeah. 
some of these different things. And so I was did. She, was it a fear of being displaced? To I some think degree? so. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. You know, so um, so I went out there uh, to meet my mom, uh, my biological mom, and it was really bizarre when she. Where'd you have to go? Rockford. Okay. So that's um, not that far. Yeah, not not too far. I remember when I got down the street to where her address was, I had no idea where I was going, right? My palms are sweating. I had to yeah, pull yeah. over oh, to yeah. the side of the road. I, I was gripping the steering wheel so tight, yeah. <laughs> trying to like open up your hands. Um, and so, yeah, pulled over, had to take a couple of deep breaths. And um, she was waiting for me when I pulled to the you know front of the house. And it's a two flat um, that she owned. And uh, it was really bizarre to see somebody come literally running down the steps to meet me who looked like me. Yeah. So I looked at her and I was like, holy cow. I mean, you would know You're, she was my mom. Yeah. And I've never had that. So that was just, you know, bizarre. And she had asked me, you know, to bring photo albums from when I was, you know, an infant and um, just throughout the years. Because keep in mind, I'm 27 at this right. point in time. There's so much so, that she right. would like to have seen in terms of right. growing up. So I had a boatload of photo albums. This is, you know, before they were on the phone. <laughs> know to to go ahead and look at and uh, throughout the different ages and she had asked if she could keep a couple of those pictures and uh, yeah so was that a full day did it meet your expectations to some degree I didn't even have expectations I had no idea um, what was going to happen there is a festival that goes on in Rockford called Polish Fest and that was the day of Polish Fest and so my um, siblings were there and um, the meeting with my mom had gone very well. Um, we had connected um, very well, and so when they had come home, I was like, "Okay, so might as well meet them." Um, and I did, you know. So um, that was how. And how? What's the? You had a sister and a brother. I have a brother and two sisters. Okay, and the age age di- so distance between you. My brother is five years. Um, after me and my first sister is seven years after me and then my baby sister is 10 years after me wow wow yeah was that uh quite an i mean what did you notice when you first met them the similarities just in looks which is strange again because i I grew up as an only child so i never had siblings right you know for for any of that so um seeing people that looked like you it was was fascinating so you've kept in touch with this yes. your birth family for years then? Yes. Yes. So and developed um, relationships. So my biological father passed away in 88. Okay. So um, I never met him. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I developed a relationship with um, my mom, with my brother, my two sisters. So, I, I mean, we're very close. Um, my mom had passed away in 2020, my biological mother. That's hard. Yeah. 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 So my brother and I, I, I I'm close with, with um, all my siblings. And it's so funny because even like my cousins that I grew up with, right, in my adopted family, yeah, um, they're still my cousins. Right? Yeah. My aunts and my uncles, those are still my aunts and uncles. That's still my family. Yeah. I just have more. So how, yeah, how do you process that? Is it, is, in your mind, is, are there like two different spots? I'm, like, I'm, like if somebody. No, to me, uh, it's just, it's just expanded. Yeah, okay. I just, there's, there's, here's me, there's more people in my life um, that I love and they love me. That's not a bad thing. No, it's not at all. Yeah. Do you see, so would, how often would you see your, your brothers and sisters now? Oh, very often. Oh, wow. Yeah, very often. 
So we we are very close. That's fantastic. It is. It it, it is. is a bizarre story. And your uh, adopted well, your parents uh, are they still alive? No. So um, I lost my adopted mom back in two thousand and three, and then um, my dad had just passed in twenty nineteen. Okay. So a couple of difficult years, 19 and twenty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Losing losing family members. So you yeah. don't have parents alive no, any longer. Mm-mm. No, and that's crazy because right now I'm the oldest. Yeah, <laughs> so I know the family. I know. Yeah, my brother and I talk about that, but it's it's and so my brother and I we do um, when we run into people, um, introduce each other type thing. Oh, it's my brother. It's my sister. You know, Phil. You know, I thought you only had two sisters, and yeah. it's like right when we do we mess with people all the time. Yeah. We're like, no, we have. Um, Full-blooded siblings. Yeah. It is a unique story. It is a story. very unique story. There's, there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, when you were growing up, though, mm-hmm. in uh, McHenry, mm-hmm. like, were you a church-going family? So Everybody my... kind of was. Um, well, my dad... So yes and no. So I grew up cradle Catholic. Yeah, I was going to say you're adopted yeah, right. because Catholic services right. and stuff. I assume that... Right. Yeah, Mary Frances is also a bit right. of a giveaway. <laughs> right. Yeah, my um, my parents um, were Catholic. Yeah. My dad, um, devout Catholic okay. type thing. My mom, not so much. Um, but my dad, yeah, I had to, you know, went to church every Sunday. Okay. You know, with him growing up. To Mass. Yeah, yep. to Mass. No option. Okay. You know, type thing. Yeah, can't get out of that type, so... So uh, you eventually moved around. Like, what did you do when you were a kid? Were there any kind of particular uh, activities that you were? We were always playing outside. Okay. So always had a bunch of friends, and we were outside running around. Not necessarily around. organized, like not organized sports or anything like no, that. No, no. You know, like we'd play, um, I think, you know, it's called dodgeball now, but we called it bombardment at that point in time. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. You'd, you'd get um, your jackets. You'd take your jackets off between two trees and, you know, you'd lay your jacket down and it became your line. Yeah. And then you'd and you just throw kinda, the ball at each other. Right. And it's, you know, oh, this, oh, fun. I'm just going to join now and there's too many people on this side. So I'm going to go on the other side. So, so did you have like a neighborhood full of kids? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So yeah. we, pl- we were playing, you know, up until the streetlights went on. Um, and there was a street light across from my house. So, and we were right on a curve. So everybody kind of hung out there. So my folks knew where I were and mm-hmm. was at, and everybody knew where all their kids were at, right? Everybody was playing outside, like kick the can. I mean, all these different things, right? So even when you went into, you didn't get into drama or you didn't start singing or anything like that when you got into high school? No, I actually played an instrument. I went into band. Okay. I want to know which instrument. How uh, many instruments can you play? First of all, I can play two. Okay, hit me. What are they? Uh, saxophone. Really? Mm-hmm. Julie G. And the flute. And the flute. And the it's flute. The same fingering, so. Jazz flute, I bet. <laughs> so, jazz flute, no. Okay. <laughs> no. The saxophone. What I mean, that's also, you know, your alto. Your are you better at one than the other? Yes. Which one is the best one for saxophone. you? Saxophone. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you still play? I do. I do. I play at Christmas time. So I usually will pull out and I, you know, I'll read sheet music. So um, I'll play Christmas music. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do people listen to you or you just play for yourself? I usually play for myself. My, my kids are there. Um, you know, uh, my youngest, my oldest son, Kyle, he also plays sax. So okay. he's always like, you know, mom, I, you know, I want to play with you one of these Christmases. I'm like, yeah, come on. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Dude, I never knew that about you. Right. Well, yeah. now we're going to get you involved in the saxophone part of our worship services no see i'm behind the scenes on that that's we'll why i'm doing the pro presenter we'll put you behind the curtain <laughs> you can do the pro presenter we'll just hook up that sax to you <laughs> no. 
Um, so yeah. Okay. So where you, did you decide to go to call? I'm assuming you went to university. Did you? So here's, yeah. So, um, yes, I know I did things so different in my life, Jeff, right? It's yeah, just, it's, fine. it's so funny. Um, I did, I went Not to college. Goes. It's fine. Um, and I graduated from college in 2017. So I went back to school. You took the, to get my degree. Yeah, yes. you took the long road. I took the long road. I did not start right after high school. Okay. Right. What um, did you do immediately after high school? Uh, I was working. So right, my plan was yeah. right. I was, <laughs> I was going to work, get married, and live happily ever after. Got it. So there that wasn't didn't like work out. well, you didn't have like um, uh, an, an employment dream. You didn't have mm-hmm. like a career goal. No. Okay. The goal was find a good guy. Yeah, I was just kind of just, yeah. All right. You know, have a family. Okay, but you did have a family. I do. I have, yes, I have two boys. You got married. How mm-hmm. old were you when you got married? I was 22. Okay, and where did you meet him? At work. Which was where? So I worked at a store called Dominic's, which was a grocery store back in the day. So Jewel had their competitor, yeah. which yeah. was Dominic's, and it was Dominic's. Okay, I want to hear uh, in quick succession the different jobs that you've had in your life. Go. So, okay. So I worked at the high school den selling pizza and soda, right? <laughs> then I worked at Dominic's bagging, and then I started um, being a cashier at Dominic's. Uh-huh. And then I was a service desk person in Dominic's, and then um, went to be a customer service manager at Dominic's, and then left that and flew for uh, American Airlines for about two months um, after training. So flew for American Flight Air- attendant. Flight attendant. And then came back and did some temp jobs and then landed at United Stationers um, for a little bit, or I'd say 20 years, and then True Value and, and harvest. then Harvest, yes. And the lot, most of the, the back end there is all HR. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I have to bite <laughs> at the flight attendant one. That, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. So with what airline and American. how did you get into that? Did you just think one day? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how I got into it. Maybe I was, I, I don't really remember. So, cause I'm going back a lot of years, yeah. right? When I'm thinking through that, but I was working for Dominic's at the time. And um, I think I really wanted to travel. Sure. Right. I think it, cause you got some great flight benefits yeah. by doing that. And so I interviewed with a group of people. I remember the interview cause it was in a big circle and one person was asking like 10 people, different questions and, from there, and, and you're talking hundreds of people were trying to get in at back at this point in time. And so um, there was a bunch of us that were hired, and that I was one of them. And you had to go to Dallas-Fort Worth for, I want to say, I can't remember if it was two or three months for yeah, some pretty American. intense yep. training. Yep. And not everybody passed training until, I mean, I did. I graduated. I got my wings. Okay. But And part of that graduation is you had to uh, jump out of a DC-10 at that point in time. And, uh, yeah. On uh, one of their slides, and they had you know Van Halen going to jump. Um, love when, it. Yeah, when you, and it is terrifying. But you you know yeah, um, a lot of safety training, yeah. a lot of safety training. Could you do the spiel if you thought about it hard enough? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. It's easy, right? It's everybody tunes out, you know, yeah. and you stick the oh, metal buckle into yeah. here and lift the flap to release yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> so. So, uh, but only two months. You only stuck with it for a couple months. I only stuck with it for a couple months. When I started flying. Um, as soon as I would land, I was getting sick. Uh. And so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I changed my career. To do something that To do something sick. that literally, I mean, I was nauseous every single time that I was flying. Oh dear. Um, and so I had asked if I could, you know, do a different job. For them. They, yes. You know, and still be an American. And they said, no, you had to fly for a year first. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so I'm like, did you like, I mean, other than the throwing up part? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It was just, well, the funny thing is, is I was pregnant. Um, <laughs> <There you laughs> so go. when I was on the ground, found out that, yeah, we were having a baby. So that was why um, okay. I was getting sick. And so, and at that point my husband's like, well, go back and tell him, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's okay. It's not meant to be. Cause I'm not going to fly having a baby. Right. You know, type thing. What, uh, what baby version did you get there? The first one. First one, that's Kyle. 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 Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, how far apart are your kids? You have a daughter too, right? I have two sons. Two sons. Two oh, sons. that's right. Okay. Yep. And Christopher is two years apart. So Christopher came to uh, two years after. So through your 20s, you, you had the thing that you wanted. I did. I did. Yeah. But the happily ever after didn't happen. Yeah, that's okay. But it's a different version. Okay. It's a different version now. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my boys. I've got grandbabies now. So it's all good. You were married for how many years? 15. Okay. And that ended in acrimony? I don't know. No, your husband. Yeah. He left. Oh, dear. So, um, yeah, that changed everything. It would have. Yeah. So is he still part of life of your boys? He kind of. Um, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. So my uh, my oldest son, not so much, which is really hard. I pray for that, though. Yeah. I really do. Um, my youngest son, they try. So. Yeah. 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 Is that one of the hardest things you've had to face in your life? That has actually been the hardest thing I've faced in my life. Yeah. So how and I've buried um, like three parents, and that to this day has been the hardest thing. Right. Well, I mean, what makes it hardest? I mean, I mean, I can guess, but I'm... Well, you're not expecting it. No. You know, you ha- there's there's no... Yeah, somebody says, yeah, I, I you know, I don't want to be married anymore. Death is... Uh, death is interesting. I mean, I've mourned my mother um, mm-hmm. and friends. Uh, it, it's heartbreaking. It kills, it, it destroys you. It puts you in this yep. whole new like world that you're like, I, this is not a world I want to inhabit. But anyway, you get into this world, but what you don't have in your head and heart is the knowledge that somebody knew you really well and decided not to stick around. Right. And that, that rejection is a special kind of pain. Yes. I think. Yes. And uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that did a, a lot to your heart and life. It did a lot to my heart, my life. Yeah, the boys, um, I tease them all the time. Um, they're not boys, they're men. Um, How old were they, they at the time? They were 13 and 11. Oh, Julie. Like formative years. Oh, exactly, right? Oh, <laughs> exactly. But I'll tell you, thank God for my brother. Okay. Yeah. My Right? My brother stepped in, um, and he was a great, great role model. For my boys. That's fantastic. It so is. you lived near near them. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's fantastic. So what do your boys really do good. now? So, um, well, it's funny. So Kyle is now, he is selling for a company called Paychex HR Solutions. Okay. Right? How funny is that? Followed right? in mom's footsteps. Yeah, but that's recent because that's not has been his background. Yeah. Um, and then Christopher has, works for Floor and Decor. And he is now in their HR department for training. Again, isn't that hysterical? <laughs> Again, and that just changed too for them. So I thought it was pretty funny. Are you at all surprised that you're involved in HR now? Um, no, because I actually, I fell into HR. That was not, um, when I started working for Marriott, I think I might have skipped Marriott in my okay. my um, jobs. Um, I went there actually for accounting yeah. Numbers. Numbers are great. Yeah. Right? Very, you know, cut and dry. Yeah. You get this number, you move on. That's not what people HR are like. is very great. Oh, my word, yes. <laughs> yes. It's a people. It's a people business. Yes. Yes. 
So it fell into And you're not HR. always the most uh, well-loved because on the one hand, you're, you're also trying to, you, you have two responsibilities. One of them is to make sure the people are well taken care of. But right. the other one is you have to hold people accountable to right. the contracts and things that they have. And so sometimes right. you got to be the person who has says, nah, you can't take that time off or you can't do those particular things. Right. Uh, I know I've, I've, when I've introduced myself to people and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm in HR. They're like, oh, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you've enjoyed it. I love it. For a lot of years. Okay. Yes. So uh, what about HR do you like the most? Um, well, I'm a generalist at heart. So that's kind of a jack of all trades, master mm -hmm. of none okay. type thing. And so I get to dabble in all different aspects of people. Yeah. And so I just love people. People are all different, yeah. um, which is a good thing, right? I don't want them all the same. Um, and right, everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got a different life and things that's going on with them. Mm. And uh, to get to know them and work with them. And yeah, I just really like people. Uh, Julie, you were in the corporate world for a, a long, long time. Yes. Uh, at what point in your li life, so you're at a church now, yes. not only any church, Harvest Bible Chapel, yes. uh, uh, you know, we call it an evangelical church now, but you... You grew up in a Catholic mm -hmm. background. Yes. Where, where was that shift? So that was actually funny when my husband had left. And so um, I remember going and talking to my priest, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, and, and he had come back and he's like, well, Julie, he's like, you know, based on everything, you can go ahead and file for an annulment. And I was like, okay. And so I went back home and dusted off um, our, I think it was a King James Bible at that point in time. And I'm opening it and I'm looking for you know, this word, and I cannot find it. No. So I go back to talk with him and said, so I'm not really finding this in the Bible, so I don't know what this is. And he's like, well, and he starts explaining it to me. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't think I understand this. Mm -hmm. And so then I went back and I'm looking at the Bible for, now I'm looking at all the sacraments yeah. right, type thing. So I now started kind of questioning all the things that I had been taught mm -hmm. um, to come back and be like, yeah, I'm not finding any of this in here. So um, my boys, right, uh, <laughs> fabulous with them. So we started on our little journey to go to different churches. And I started to go to, you know, I went to a Lutheran church and read, you know, about different things. I'm like, okay, well, you know, they're just really kind of Catholic, but wanted to do something a little bit different. Yeah. And so, right, and so we're not going to go there. And then I went to Episcopalian church um, and realized I would not be able to spell Episcopalian, no. so we're not going to go there. Mm. Um, and then... I went to a Methodist church, and then I had a friend of mine invite me to Community Christian Church in Naperville. Yeah. And so went there. And so keep in mind, after all of these church services that I went to, I flagged down every pastor yeah. um, to talk with them about their beliefs and, and you know, in the right, Bible. you're the lady who shows up in the <laughs> thing. I've got two boys with me. You're going to let me know what you believe right here. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to understand this, right? Um, and so I, that's, I had met uh, John Ferguson uh, or I'm sorry, Dave Ferguson at that point in time, because yeah. he was still um, teaching at the Yellow Box um, out here. So, and he spent some time with me, which was really good. And I just started kind of diving deeper uh, into the Bible yeah. at that point in time and uh, got into kind of a divorce support group at that yeah. point in time and started going to Community Christian Church, where right. I was at for about 15 years. Wow. And why did you leave Community Christian Church? So, um, I had been volunteering 
right, in their hospitality for about five years. Um, uh-huh. And it was, it's a lot, you know, type thing, because I had a full-time job. And then you're doing this, you know, every single Sunday. And my son was having his first um, his first child. And so I wanted to have some weekends yeah. to go see my grandbabies. And so I said, I'm going to step down from serving at this point in time. Um, I'm going to give a little bit. And then, right, I'll, obviously, I'm going to go back to church because, yeah. you know, I like church. And then COVID hit. And so church shut down. It did. So there was no church to go to. And then along comes uh, a guy from Harvest who asks you to consider being the HR director. How did you know Roger? So I didn't even know Roger. So um, Roger McCoy is who we're talking right. about. He was the chief operations pastor here. So in the beginning of 2021, um, I had to been like right around Christmas time. I just I felt this pulling on my heart. Because I'd been working at True Value at this point in time, and I love True Value, right? I mean, there's, so during COVID, right, um, everything shut down except everybody was doing home improvement projects. Yeah, it's right? a big time so, for you guys. So we were really, really busy um, type thing. And so, but I felt this pulling on my heart to be doing something more. And I'm having this conversation, right, with the Lord. I'm trying to, I'm like, wow, I can feel you're asking me to do something. I don't, I don't know what it is you want me to do. Um, I always joke saying, Lord, I need a neon sign because I don't really follow the signs. You know, I need Julie go this way. Okay. Um, And I just kept, you know, feeling this pull, didn't know what it was. And I'm praying and and just trying to, trying to figure things out. And uh, I know I want to get back into churches, right? Um, Things are starting to open up a little bit more beginning of the year. And then there was a church by me um, that was called Harvest New Beginnings. In Oswego. I'm like, I know right where it's at. So, and not that I didn't want to go to community Christian, but I also wanted to have a deeper relationship mm-hmm. um, with the Lord, right? So now is a perfect time. Let me start looking at different churches. And so Harvest New Beginnings, I'm looking at them, looking at their doctrine, right? Because this is right how I'm wired and I'm trying to look through everything. I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to try this church out. Come to find out that they're not doing in-person services yet. Yeah. I'm like, Okay. And so right underneath my phone under Harvest New Beginnings is Harvest Bible Chapel. I'm like, well, who are they? <laughs> right. So started searching on them and there was one in Aurora. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, right, I'll go to one of their services and sit in the back. Yeah. Right. And kind of, you know, check this out. And so had started going there. Meanwhile, I'm still feeling this pull. I'm like, okay, so am I supposed to go work in a nonprofit? Yeah. You know, type thing. And so updated my resume. Um Started looking on LinkedIn for different, you know, different jobs, but in the nonprofit world. And uh, there was two different jobs, and Harvest was one of them. Which is odd. Which is very odd, yeah. right? Because you started attending this church, and now there's an opening for right. HR. Yep. And, I, and I honestly didn't correlate the two right away, because this job was in Elgin. Yeah. And right, and I was going to Aurora. Mm. So I'm like, I'm not even, I didn't even put it together. It's the same one. I'm like, well, that's fine. I'll just, I'll apply. And if it, if it's meant to be right, the Lord will make it be, that's fine. So, um, yeah, that's how it started. And I, you know, answered, you know, that the ad and Todd had called and, you know, started doing some interviews and. So you started at Harvest in 2021. Correct. In May May of 2021. Mm -hmm. I came in July of 2021. And so, uh, Julie and I have a dear kinship. Mm -hmm. She's my dear sister in the Lord and in this ministry, we both got here at the same time, and when both of us freak out about the occasional thing, we look at each other <laughs> wide-eyed, like, can you believe this? And she shakes her head, and I shake my head. <laughs> yep. But it's been a godsend 
Julie, honestly, I've thought, I've thanked God for you lots and lots of times, uh, privately. And I'm very happy to do that publicly and Thank you. tell you, I'm really thankful that you're here. Um, Julie's on our lead team. And so she has a huge part to play in helping us think through things. She's very structured and ordered and makes sure all the boxes are ticked, which f- is enormously helpful uh, <laughs> because it does. Ultimately, it helps people uh, know that you've gone through the processes and stuff. And when the processes, if there's anybody out there who's experienced bad processes, that was when we didn't ask Julie. <laughs> so uh, she's been, you just honestly, you've been such a godsend. We thank God for you and for your work here. I, and I hope it's a long time personally uh, or until God kills me and then you can do what you want. <laughs> but I, I am thankful that uh, the Lord's brought you here uh, and all that you do. Thank you. Um, thanks for talking to me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, the rest of you. Yeah, absolutely. The rest of you, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.